So I I had occasion yesterday to go to the Oddball Comedy Festival out at the racetrack. Are we rolling already? Yeah, we're rolling. You didn't even warn us. No, no, it's happening. They get me drunk. Just, they just, <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up. This <laughs> slow. It's going to be that kind of night. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We're, so you we're ro- starting. You rolling yet, dude? <laughs> anyway, so so yeah. So so yesterday we went out to the, uh, the Oddball Comedy Festival, and it was the last night of this big tour, and it was kind of a um, – you're not – Familiar with it, or you weren't in Austin during this time? A few days from now, when this actually is, gets put up on the web, um, it was a bunch of headliners: Louis C.K. and Sarah Silverman, and Hannibal Burris and uh, Mark Marin, and uh, like lots and lots of really, really funny folks. And uh, I won't bore you with uh, all of it, but I will say that there was one particular bit. You know, the the thing that I find that I like about these really big shows, and I. This I'm getting is in like a like a like a racetrack, right? It, well, it's an amphitheater that's connected to a racetrack, so it's an amphitheater that you know it was it was elbows and assholes like about fifteen thousand strong, packed into this this amphitheater that happens to butt up against the racetrack where they do the big F one U S Grand Prix every year. But um, this was just a comedy show, and it just happened to be a comedy show with a bunch of nationally touring headliners. And the thing that I've, I've d- determined that I actually love about – because I don't do the crowds as well as I used to. Um, but the thing that I do really like is when the local when – the, when the touring comedians always try to open with a local bit, like – and sometimes they just – they die. Like those, those things just die on the vine. But Hannibal Burris did a bit last night that, I, that really resonated with me and, uh, and I thought it was worth repeating, which was that – he was he was talking about how he'd been down to South by and played South by several times, and that the last time he was in town, he was staying. Um, I'm speaking about South by Southwest for any of you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We could just call Sorry. it South by. <laughs> Jargon alert. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he was staying north of downtown, and he got a cab, and he said, uh, you know, the thing, the venue that I was going to was on Sixth Street. So I told the guy, I need to go. Down to Sixth Street, and Cabby, he said the cabbie just fucking freaked out at me. He was like, "I can't go down there. It's crazy this time of year. It's crazy." <laughs> he's like, I, "But I can get you close." And he's like, "All right, man, hold on, calm down. Where, where can you take me?" He's like, Seventh Street." <laughs> and, so, and, so, and everybody that was around us for like ten feet went like, "Yeah, that's a totally accurate bit. Like that's exactly how it <laughs> is here." I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but but thank you for sharing that. Sure, as, yeah. as a as a as a as a local, as a native, um, I I do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, well, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, let's go ahead and uh, let's oh. roll the music, and then we'll get we'll we'll get back in and, and throw some stuff out there. Okay. Somebody likes it. So Shane and I, <clears throat> during our brief intermission here, we're, we're talking about um, the uh, demise of No Doi. Um, which can you explain what that yeah, means? Okay, so it, uh, it, it was a thing that's not that, recent, though, right? It's but, not really. No, 
I mean, that's the demise isn't like, even recent. No, it was like 30 years ago or something. When we, when we were all kids, um, I, I if somebody said something stupid, you'd say, well, no doy. Um, but it, it was like a way of like a gut, like a, a you know, lunkhead who would be like, duh. Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a permutation of duh or of, yeah, duh. Like, duh. Yeah, but it this turned is, into no doy. And it apparently was ubiquitous, at least in Texas, because like, I don't know anybody my age who doesn't know what that was. Uh, but I did bring it up to a 23-year-old friend of mine the other day, and he was like, what the hell is that? But And that's a really a proper question. Yeah, that we should but no, it got, me, it got to me to thinking about, like, sort of, you know... Like, got you um, to thinking? Got me to thinking, which I do every now and then. Um, <laughs> no, it got to me thinking about, like, you know, sort of, like, verbal memes from back in the day. And I remembered in high school, um, oh, for about, like, maybe a few months, uh, the word tough... Was was going around. I don't know if you guys had that. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, but it was tough, like as in cool. Like that car is tough, man. You know, and like like it was cool or or good in some way. So it's like it's dope before. Yeah, it was dope or whatever. You know. Uh, But anyhow, like uh, a buddy of mine, Shane, you know Brett. Um, uh, Brett was there for the death of tough uh, in that iteration. And what happened was what was the death now? He was. uh, They were all at lunch. And a uh, friend of his, he wasn't super tight with, but, you know, just, you know, the guy he ate lunch with uh, looks at him and goes, man, this tuna fish sandwich is tough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Quasimodo. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Okay. It's, <laughs> so that's getting <laughs> tough. And uh, welcome to another edition of Played Out. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome to another edition of Somebody Likes It. You yeah. Know, like I did that. Yeah, yeah, I did. That was, that was good. We're we're doing a couple of things uh, this week. The next couple of weeks, we should we should talk about this just for a second. We're going to be trying a, a few format adjustments, um, just shaking things up a little bit. Um, I, I, for those of you that listen to our super massive Labor Day mixtape podcast, um, we've been working on a, a new feature called "A Few Minutes with," wherein we take a single song uh, and or video. Um, I hope the video contains a song. Um, but the song doesn't necessarily have to contain it or whatever be attached to a video, and uh, and then we talk about that song for for five ten minutes, and we're thinking about throwing this this in the in in the big show, as as where we like to call it the the big show, the big show, the, yeah. the main attraction, the main yeah, uh, sure <laughs> that <laughs> the, the, the somebody. Does Somebody it? likes it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, and then the and you know, and we had, we had debuted uh, a few minutes with, which is what we're kind of calling the um, the sidebar show, where we talk about one particular track at a time. Um, and Shane's picked a really cool one, which we I won't tease until you're ready to tease it. But I think it's going to be cool. Like, yeah, we'll talk. We'll, well, it'll be memorable. We're gonna we're trying to figure out where we're going to put it in the show. So we're, for a few weeks, we're going to just mess around and, and we're going to get all crazy. Uh, and so this week, uh, we're going to put it in the middle. We're going to have an intermission and see how that goes. Um, and we and, welcome your feedback. Yes, please, by all means. Oh, and, and just as a quick uh, business note, um, if you're going to listen to to this week's podcast, you are going to have to download the new YouTube record. <laughs> mandatory. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think they have to. I think it's been done for them. No, that's right. Well, as soon as, well, as, soon as they click on it, it's you know, on their computer. And, and there's something about that that you. How much did? How much was YouTube paid? The rumor was a hundred million dollars. I don't even know if that's a rumor. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that's a 
That's a solid number. Well, and the somewhere. funny thing, I mean, it's certainly, it's clearly solid. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody would go you into two that. You might be the only people who are not unhappy with Apple right now. Oh, they're probably very it, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, I don't understand where the all the, the vitriol and I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's messing around in your privacy, but I don't have to listen to that fucking. I don't album. think it's even this. I mean, maybe it's a privacy issue with some folks, but it's also the fact that like people. This this is actually what I thought was really interesting that popped up out of this was that people take a lot of personal pride in cultivating their own yeah. song selection. Like, it's a big deal. Oh, so basically, if, so yeah. if, if so if they if they have their their iTunes going on on random shuffle at a party, and one of those shitty U two songs pops uh-huh. up. They'll take, which uh, is clearly what Apple's counting on, or U 2s counting on, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it, to me, it was just like pure balls. Like, yeah. Here, you you take going to be the name you're of my going to take this. This is what you like now. Yeah, I get why it's ballsy, but I don't get the the great. I mean, and this is coming from a person that has no particular love for U two. And no particular love for the intrusiveness of of um, big business into my life, but I just eh, there there's a lot more stuff to get a little up in arms about than a fucking free album that shows up in your iTunes. Personally, I think well, no, there's well, there's that's more important things in life, but not even more important things in life. More than just more important things to 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 be annoyed with on your on your daily commute to work. The other thing that I can't seem to get around is like thinking about like okay, so you go to the meeting. And you're Bono or Bono's representatives or whatever. And, you know, maybe this never happens to him anymore because the guy's been so mind-blowing rich for a long time that, you know, it's all just sort of big piles on top of big piles of cash. Mm-hmm. But you are you like to think that he, like, goes in there and he goes, like, all right, don't blow this. I really – I got to get this right. Pumps himself yeah, up. Yeah, pumps himself up. All right, wear the, wear the wraparound glasses. Okay, I'm sitting at the table. Look like a rock star. They're pushing the contract <laughs> over, and he's like, I, li- I like Holy how I like how his inner dialogue is like a Raymond Chandler novel. Like the dialogue is it's like, it's like Stuart Smalley, like in front of the mirror. <laughs> Everything's yeah. dot 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 dot. Don't blow it. Dot dot dot. Yeah, and stupid. Now he sounds like Farley, but still. Uh, yeah, and then they push that $100 million contract across the table, like, a, you know, like on a folded napkin. <laughs> and, and he's like, all right, I guess we could, we'll manage. We might be able to take that hit in, in self-respect and, and pride. And they, and, they walk out there and go like, who wants to buy an island? Is <laughs> <laughs> that ironic, considering that their, their label is Island? Sure, maybe. Yes. Actually, though, and this is we won't, I, well, a little. But the um, the other thing that we won't we won't go down this road because I think it would be boring as shit. But I do think that it's not disconnected that um, Bono is part of a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley, so he has all those connections. So it's easy for him to like sort of walk it. Those aren't. It's a warm room already. Like, if he wasn't a rock star. But when you get him into the upper echelons of these companies, I mean, Tim Cook clearly probably thinks that U2 is still really fucking cool. And, oh, sure. Oh, we're going to yeah. throw some money because you know what we're going to do? We're going to get U2 into everybody's computer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's probably, at some point, there's like a, you know, he's warming up his, like, Steve Jobs turtleneck. And he's like, you know who's going to have this song? U2. That guy at U2, at U2, and he's pointing, and people are like, I get it, old man. Like, stop it. Stop, you're killing me. Uh, awesome. uh, you know what? I just found out where that was from today, by the way. You say this all the time, and I never knew, and I had someone look it up. Oh, Sam what? 
I, I had no idea what that was. And you call yourself a baseball fan. I know. That's what I, you're not the first person that's told that to me today. Let's let's we got to get to the item in hand. Let's so Kevin, you this week's record. The, um, yeah, but should we? Um, yeah, let's let's talk about it. So yeah. so um, I've been I mentioned this last week, and one of the things I've been wanting to do was cover something that is current. And um, so I picked Ty Siegel's Manipulator. Very current. I think it just hit the, it, it hit dropped the streets. In August. Yeah, yeah it, like it dropped so month, recently. Not even a month ago. It dropped so recently you could still hear the echo. So <laughs> you'll be here all. You, you <laughs> did pick up on some stuff <laughs> that <laughs> show last night. <laughs> I said it's crazy down there. <laughs> anyway, that guy's funny. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I think it's safe to say that Mr. Siegel is hyper prolific. Uh, he does not seem to be afraid of the songwriting, and he seems to not be afraid of the collaborating. Collaborating, the songwriting, the recording, the touring. Uh, I don't know when the man sleeps. No, and, well, and it's, an, it's an impressive workload. But the thing that, I, that, that stood out to me, aside from any of the song stuff, which we'll talk about uh, plenty, is that uh, I just thought – I came away thinking like that guy – is either the happiest guy on earth, right? Because he's so true to his muse that it's like you can't. He doesn't. He has no off switch. Uh, it seems like because he's always working on something new, or he's miserable. Yeah, he's chasing the dragon all the time. <laughs> yeah, and he's never going to be the like. He's, he's like, what do I got to do to get there? Yeah. So I don't know, and maybe it's maybe you know maybe I'm maybe it's a it's a combination therein. But um, I don't know, Shane. You're you are you. Uh, been a long time recording artist. What's your what's your take on prolific workload guy uh, or uh, guys in general? In that way, <laughs> what do you think about men? <laughs> I was still listening to the sirens that were out there somewhere, and I was thinking for a second it was the comedy police coming to pick somebody up over here for making bad dad jokes. But, um, okay, I, but you're risking not being invited to my kid's birthday party. <laughs> oh, with the lanyards, with the with the backstage pass. That, that is pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sidebar. Yeah. Sorry. I think that a lot of times when prolific artists run the risk of. And this is is very much how I feel about this. Well, I, I will say so. Uh, uh, I have a, a lot of stuff. Man, you guys just fucking short circuited all the all the shit that I wanted to say about that I was staggering that I was going to say about this record. But um, I'll give a uh, I'll give an example. Um, uh, oh my gosh, Centromatic. Uh, will the uh, main guy in Centromatic has has done so many. He he was so prolific for so many years. Syntromatic is a Dallas-based, uh, Austin-based for for a long time now. Oh, yeah, right. they originally started in Denton, right? And then they moved yeah. down here. And um, yeah, those guys are they're terrific and 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 put out a lot of material. Yeah, what was really uh, prolific in Syntromatic, and then I think it was uh, South Saint Gabriel was another one of his uh, areas through which he put out music. Um, incredibly prolific. One of the things that that guy did, well, the quality, one of the things that set him apart from a lot of prolific artists, at least that I've listened to or or, or, or um, been acquainted with throughout the years, is that, A, his, the output is was, was warranted. I mean, these songs were really, really good. And, B, he stylistically varied it. Um, and that's one thing I can say about this Ty Siegel record is that, A, the songs are really really good 
as song by song by song. But as an album, they just start to blend together after a little while. I mean, those, those if I were to just put that, this, this record, in my opinion, is, I, I guess I'm getting away from the prolific thing, but what I'm well, saying. I think I, I, I think I sort of see what you're getting at. Well, I think that. I don't think it necessarily is dependent upon its sequencing. No, 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 no. You misunderstand what I'm, let, let, let me explain. Like, when you, when you start, when you have such a high output of songs that you're writing, you sort of lose track of how those songs fit or interlock with each other and how your overall output sounds as an overall product. You, you just, it just becomes sort of a blur, sort of a miasma. Like it, song, you're just, you're just thinking about song to song to song to song. Whereas if you were to write 10 songs in a year, you can see how those songs react and, and, or how you react to those songs in a, in a bundle together if you write 60 songs in a year, you sort of get lost in that morass. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I think I'm lost in the morass right now. <laughs> the more songs that you write in a year, I think. No, I, I do get what you're saying. Well, and I, I think about, um, what was the, um, uh, the dude on Merge that wrote the 69, uh, magnetic fields. Yeah. So Steve like, America? yeah, yeah. So you, so you think about stuff like that and like that kind of runs that like, that's the complete opposite end of the spectrum where there's like, so the, the sort the material is so dense that you have to parse it. But I, but I think what you're talking about is something different, which is that here you have the equivalent of a double album, right? Like that's 17 songs, but there's a lot of it that is, um, they're really well written, well constructed songs, but, but sonically, there's they're so on theme for a while that it probably feels like one may run into the other. Well, the difference between I'm glad that you brought up that that magnetic fields record because that's that is a great example of um, and in fact I'm not a huge fan personally of that album, but I am I, I'm a huge admirer of the balls on that guy to put out those three records. Oh sure. Um, at that at that time, but I'll tell you one thing: they're, they're large balls, y'all. That's. <laughs> uh, Thanks. That's it. You're just going to keep you in a, in a chair in the corner for the rest of the fucking show. It was like on Labor Day when you showed up. You had, you had been up till 7 in the morning drinking, and then I, I show up over here at 3, and Ryan, Ryan comes in bleary and he's like, I already got a buzz on. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and no, I didn't, Mom. <laughs> so I want to read something that, uh, that Pitchfork said about this album that um, – really nailed what I was thinking when I was listening to it. And we haven't talked about how, about, by the well, we'll talk about how I feel about the songs, but this is how I, I feel about the record. This is a great, um, this, this really distills how, how I felt. Okay. Uh, the issue isn't song quality so much as the flattened topography, whether they emphasize regal violins or squealing leads, the tunes here are pitched at the same cruising altitude and rarely upset their steady Moroccan massage tubal. As such, Manipulator feels less like an epic side A to side D journey and more like an hour-long CD that would benefit from some editing, particularly when the songs start to feel like doppelgangers of one another. So that's how I, that's really how I felt about the record. It was song to song to song. Every song, I'm like, that song is... A, and, and, and the reason why I, I started thinking about that is because I had some stuff going on today, so I'd listen to one or two songs in a row, then I'd have to drop out for a little while um, and then go back... And uh, and listen to them, and whenever the songs went on for four or five songs, they just started to blend in. But when I whenever I listened to one or two in a row and had to stop and then walk away, 
I remember those so much better. I mean, the song, the melodies, the the hooks are there, the songwriting's there. The the, the he's an amazing riff writer on guitar. Um, but it's they a cool, don't necessarily hang together thematically. As a no, they hang work. they hang together way too, too thematically. Okay. Yeah, it's, it gets really samey to me after a while. Yeah, no, I don't. I think that's probably a fair um, complaint, like I and or observation. I think that um, I do think that. It, it's interesting because we, had, you and I, actually had a similar reaction to this, which is that like I actually, I, there's a great part of this record that I really enjoy quite a bit. Oh, me too. But it's, but it is, you know, you do find it is. I had a very similar aesthetic reaction, which is that like whatever the most recent song I was, uh, I had been rolling around in, stuck with me for a while. But if I pick it up at a different part of the album, I would, and in a different way than most records that I've spent time listening to and I hadn't really put my finger on it until you mentioned that but I think that that's similar it's a very pleasurable album to listen to song by song by song um, I mean even when I mean there's not let's let's face it um, other, not really other, like a turkey in the bunch no there's not at all no 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 well there's a couple songs that, there's that I like less than the other ones but uh, other than uh, maybe one or two songs on the album there's pretty much not an original bone in, 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 this, in its body um, which is which is not necessarily a bad thing at all. Mr. Maine is is the one song I think that deviates that sounds that you can't really peg all of the influences on. Um, but I mean, again, I, I, that's not that bad of a thing. I I loved Elephant Six, which you can see a direct line from oh, sure. Elephant Sixes or those bands' influences directly to this guy, even if he didn't listen to them. Um, I actually was getting a little bit of like Madchester a little bit. You know sometimes, I mean? yeah. yeah. David Bowie sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Uh, like I heard the beta band in there. Um, but these are all... Well, and, you, and you're talking about things that are that are distinctly... Like there's an overall aesthetic that goes along with each one of those uh, ideas. But I also <laughs> think that it's interesting because this guy shreds. Like oh, big he's time. a... Like, He's not fucking around. Like it's well, a. Well, he pulls like, off these like amazing shredding guitar solos, but manages to not sound like you know. It doesn't sound like a, it doesn't sound like wankers. It doesn't. You know yeah, it, it doesn't sound like you're trapped at a Santana concert. It like, sounds like Matthew Sweet. Like, oh, I could see a little bit of that. Yeah. I think that Matthew Sweet, aside that, from being with like the, with the, the shredding heavier stuff, well, <laughs> I don't think that was actually Matthew Sweet. I think he hired what was it, Robert Quine or no, no, no. I know, no. I'm saying oh, with those. I'm saying that. I'm not saying I'm saying the records yeah. that he put out. I'm not talking about uh, who actually played on them. I'm saying like that's when he does that stuff. That's what it sounds like. Maybe that I feel like when a lot of the reviews that I read, um, there's a lot of talk about how. This record sort of bridges the gap between the people that like a traditional sort of twist on rock and roll and uh, people that are interested in hearing something new. And, you know, it, it feels, it does, to me at least, it felt, it feels like a fresh album. Like it feels like it's brand new and like it's mm-hmm. and, and, uh, new on the street. But by the same token, there are enough hallmarks there of uh, some past material that you can hang your hat on if you. Well, I mean, he's yeah. definitely got some influences that you sure. can suss out. Uh, but, you know, and I, don't, I don't know if this is a good thing or bad. I, I, I thought of it generally as a good thing. Um, like, if I were the label trying to figure out what to push as a single, like, you could pick any of half a dozen songs off this thing. I Pretty much the whole record, yeah. I think. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a – and that's, that's another thing, by the way, I wanted, I wanted to um, – that sort of fits – I was thinking about this earlier um, – 
it sort of fits in with, with, uh, with what I was just saying. And, uh, years ago, um, I remember a friend of mine listening to, um, a new pornographer's record, which, which their first couple records could be guilty of the same thing. Um, every song being a single. And, and he was saying, um, when you have a record that every song you aim for the fences, every song you try to knock a home run out pretty soon, you just, you're just, you deaden the, the listener's ears, you know, at, at some point, like you just shut down. You got to have some breaks to breathe in the yeah. album. And that's kind of what this is. Yeah. Not that it's a bad, I mean, yeah, sure. I don't necessarily no, I, think I it's a bad thing, that. like that it's too good. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a big difference between being too good or actually, you know what, this Kevin, a, why don't we listen to a song real quick and we'll, we'll pick up. Yeah, sure. Let's, well, instead of, um, I don't want to start with Mr. Maine because I feel like it's a little bit of a departure from the others. We'll so talk a little that more about that. But let's start with um, Tall Man Skinny Lady, which I think is a fun track. So we'll start with that. Here is Tall Man Skinny Lady. So that was Tall Man, Skinny Lady, presumably about a tall man and a skinny lady from Ty Siegel. Well, and here's, here's something that I wanted to uh, to talk to you guys about. Like, like Shane, that's sort of the, your hallmark of uh, deal is you get into the lyrics. And like I was thinking, like as I was listening to this, like I kind of don't care what he's saying. As long as it's not terrible. I didn't right? understand what he's saying at all, so I don't know. Like, well, and I and I I um, since you have mentioned that in previous podcasts, Ryan, like I have found myself thinking about, okay, where does this record come out, shake out lyrically? Because for a while, I didn't really have a read on where Shane, where you would come in on any of this stuff. Like I thought, because like some of the music that you have put out and some of the things that we all, the three of us like, that I was like that I originally felt I had a sense of it, and then as we've gotten further in these podcases. Uh, you opin- no opinions vary. Yeah. yeah. So, um, which is great. That's, that's part of the fun. But by the same token, like I, you, you never stop like trying to sort of figure out where you yeah. guys are going to fall on these. Right, right. And so anyway, I did find myself thinking like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Like some of the lyrics are, are intentionally spare because you can't, you, you can't sing over shredding well, I mean, or you can't so- sing over what, I mean, they're, Complex musically, otherwise. Well, the way, and the way yeah. I am, and Shane's know this for years. You probably know this too, Kevin. Is that um, as long as like the music's good and like the voice is another instrument, you know. Sure. And, and so I was pleased with his sort of, you know, uh, London suede sort of delivery. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's typical. I've never heard another Ty Siegel record, but I want to listen to some now. Well, and, it, and from the from the sound of things, and I'm not uh, I'm not overly familiar with his entire catalog. Like, they're all different. And oh, this is worth mentioning. I didn't bring this up last segment, but uh, we were talking about how crazy prolific he is. Just uh, well, two things that I thought were kind of worth bringing up that are, I just find not necessarily mine. These aren't numbers that are going to be the only thing that it that that matter, but I think that they're interesting. One is um, how many records he's been a part of, like collaborated on or put out himself or anything. I'll bet it's more than four. It is more than four. I'm going to have to try and figure out a better way to do this because you guys both get bored with this game really fast. But, uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, uh, 27. Like, How old is this dude? No, wait. Check that. Seven. He, he's twenty seven. It's Whoa. seven. Yeah, he is. Dude. No, no. Numerology. Well, and that's not. A, that's not. A, I. Um. I. Screw that. He's actually put out seventeen albums or been a part of seventeen albums, and he's twenty seven. And so, still, he, you know, I don't know how long he's been actually professional. It's kind of affect the quality at some point. Like, I think. Like, I mean, I. Yeah, I like you two are not that familiar with his back catalog, and people are surely going to disagree with what I'm saying, but. It, it, I just have this mental image of like an old movie from the 30s where the guy's typing really fast and just and then taking the sheet of paper and throwing it behind his back and putting a new one and just going and not rereading anything and you know at some point like it's got to affect the quality of what you're writing. I mean, the, you know what's crazy to me and this is a little bit of a sidebar, but like people used to put on suits and go to like a downtown office building and write songs, like the Brill Building. Yep, Ten yeah. Alley. Yeah, like people used to put on suits and do like everything. Yeah, go go out and, and, and play kickball suits and. All right, yeah. so I guess so, I've just known too many scruffy musicians for that. Yeah, the sixties changed every. You know that, right? I do. Know you, that. Have you seen pictures? Have, uh, have I've seen pictures of the sixties. Kevin lived the sixties. I did. Uh, the <laughs> stories I could tell you of my brief time. In the Potty 60s. training. Yeah, it was not so even wild, that. He would literally shit himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone's charmed. So still. Uh, okay, so do you guys want to um, take a break? Well, why don't we uh, do a little um, a few minutes with? Well, why don't we listen to one more Ty Siegel song? And, Let's do that. And then we'll go ahead and take a break, and we'll do the intermission a few minutes with, and we'll come back and pick up where we left off, because I have a lot of questions. I have questions about the 60s I want to ask Kevin, and I have questions about... good. Good. Let's How cover Ryan all of can that. be so wrong about this record? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. All right, let's go ahead and listen to a song. All right. Uh, appropriately enough, uh, this is going to be called It's Over. Let's listen to that.
that was It's Over, uh, Ty Siegel telling us it's over, and that song is over. And, oh, I feel shit. manipulated. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of I love how you just, you just threw that in there just to let everybody know. <laughs> just stating the very obvious. Yeah. That song is over. It, it is, is over. It's the lowest of the lowest. That fruit is on the ground. Anyway, um, shit, guys. Like, it's, uh, so it's about... It's time for us to do the intermission. Yeah, let's let's. This is our new our new intermission segment. All so right. we're gonna take a break. Prepare to be intermission. We're not really gonna take a break, but we're gonna act like we're gonna take a break. All right, we're taking it. Maybe. Do I have to start acting now? Maybe. Yes, please. All right. Totally. Act. So uh, so we're going to do something that we've been teasing a little bit, and um, the mixtape show is kind of uh, lead into what this is all about, but um, it's called A Few Minutes With, and today it's going to take the form of an intermission, and, uh, and Shane has picked this week's selection. And Which when we I have just watched the video of. When, when I tell you that it's, it's quite something... Uh, that doesn't really encapsulate it's special. It, how special it is. Shane? Well, again, I, um, I'm trying to pick in line with... Um, Spite? No, with, <laughs> with, with what, we, what we're doing in this community on this website. And I thought, who better to, um, to include in our viewing and listening pleasure than William Shatner? James Tiberius Kirk. Talking about a rocket. So I, I picked uh, Shatner's... Um, Immortal version of Rocket Man, made famous by Elton John, written by Bernie Taupin, Barney Taupin, and they, Elton John. Perhaps you know the lesser famous, uh, more less ver- interesting version uh, by Elton John. Much less interesting version. Not a bad song. No, it's a decent song. Not as interesting as this. <laughs> it's, it's good. God, we it's we like an acid trip in Vegas. We <laughs> actually we actually tried to do this last week, and um, and Ryan. Uh, Kevin and I had had watched the video a few times prior to recording the show, and Ryan's like, "Dude, I've seen that. I've seen it before. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I know the song. I've seen it before." And both Kevin and I shut him down. Like, "Nope, we're going to do this next week. You have to go home and watch no, this." No, show. you you have to see the video. We've watched it twice since we've been in the garage tonight. By the way, that last time the Ryan said we just watched it, that's not the first time we've watched it tonight. Well, and the thing that I couldn't get away from is like you what you can't not you can't see it. And not be aware of just the fucking hubris on that guy. Like, just to, like, he's just like, I am going to do this song exactly my own way, and I don't care how wrong it is. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to bask in how so, wrong it is. Does somebody want to like, do a little, a little 30 second, uh, you know, capsule of what we just watched? Sure. So, for those, I'm, I'm just going to go off the assumption that everyone listening <clears throat> here is familiar with the song Rocket Band, and those that aren't, it'd be pretty easy for you to, to dig it up. Sure. Um, so this takes place, I believe, at the Saturn Awards in 1978, which is the Oscars of science fiction. Um, I'm not completely sure if it's still happening, and I'm going to get castigated for saying that. But um, So Shatner was the host that year, and he put together a little presentation of himself doing an, I was going to say extemporaneous, but it's more like a one-man show. Where he initially he's he's 
he's beat poet reciting the lyrics, um, smoking a cigarette on a bar stool. Beat poet lounge singer. Like he becomes more lounge singer once once the crazy sine wave music and and seventies drums start, and then halfway through the song or partway through the song, another Shatner slides out from behind him, um, and then and then. Getting closer to the end of the and th- and this Shatner is more reserved, um, contemplative. He's contemplative. <laughs> stare. And then and then and then a few minutes later or a minute later or so, another Shatner slides out from his other side, and, and this guy's got his bow tie undone. That guy's and, goofy, and he's doing the Watusi. Yeah, and, it looks uh, like he just had you know three or four cocktails, and you know maybe took. Maybe he did us the favor of taking the lampshade off his head before he came out from next and, and the way the whole thing plays out is that they that the first Shatner is sort of the central character and then the rest of the the rest of that area of the stage is sort of bathed in darkness and so they do these fades where like one version of Shatner will fade out and another one will fade in and then toward the end, like when it's building to a crescendo, then they're all on there and it's chaos but weird. In central Shatner is is at times communicate. In fact, at one point, the the one Shatner talks about how Mars is no place to raise a child, and, and central real Shatner. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming these are movies of his imagination. I, I have no idea, by the way, what's going on. But he, but 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 central Shatner cups his puts a hand over his mouth and cups it and says, in, "In fact, it's it's so damn cold." Uh, he's. I, I, I thought I told Ryan while we were watching it. It seems to me as though he's got it set. Because by the way, hubris is a great word. To, um, oh, this, true. this is definitely yeah. this, this little performance was built and run by by William Shatner. Bill, I'm sure is I'm, I'm pretty sure his friends call him Bill. Uh, Bill Shatner built and ran this little thing. But I I, I, I was saying it, it's sort of a a, 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 a new turn of not a new turn on it but it, it, it's like a representation of the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder it's true that's that's what I, I, I that's what I took from from the other Shatner that that had the the bow tie untied and hanging around his neck and I think his shirt was untucked uh, doing the yeah, watu yeah, see yeah he was crazy man uh, I mean if, if, and, and the way that he and the way a lot of times um, I think the lyrics are obfuscated by well, I mean, I and I and this is another thing that I mentioned earlier. Like, I feel like Bernie Taupin fell ass in into success because this guy is a, in my opinion, a really shitty lyric writer. I mean, he's got his moments. Not a lot of them. He's got moments, but Elton John is clearly, clearly the talent in this operation. I mean, this guy wrote lots and lots and lots of songs with this dude, uh, but. Uh, a lot of times you can't understand what Elton John is singing because the lyrics in no way match up meter wise with the melody. So nobody knows the line about like burning up my fuse out here alone because the way he's singing the melody and the words don't match up, but you get a real good sense of what the fuck the lyrics are in, in this Chatner thing. True. And, uh, because he's saying them <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> like no, he's not, not just saying them. Yeah. He's saying, he's them. stating them. Like emphatically, he's emphatically a nutsy. So obviously, this comes off as like high camp, 
but like, was it intended that way? You think, or was this earnest? No, I think it was. I think it was intended to be Rat Pack cool. Like, I think the way that he's, and if you if you see the video, please please go watch the video. If you see the video, like he's in a he's in a seventies tux, and he's like with the blue ruffles under it, and like he's clearly okay, Dicky. Yeah, yes, it. exactly. Yeah. To uh, hate this. How the fuck do you but, know that? Is that a real uh, thing? It's a, it's it's, a reference. It's, Kevin it's an old stand-up comedy record. So. Yeah. No. So anyway, but but yeah, but the deal is like he uh, yeah he was clearly preening for the camera and uh, and putting his own spin on things and anyway it well, became it became renowned but probably for different reasons than he thought it was going to be renowned. I think that that Shatner has it definitely has a sense of of how tongue it he takes his his himself from that period of time well he's no, he's definitely taken that absurdity angle uh, now his persona now. and and just run with it yeah yeah but he also he i you know i've heard him talk about it he, he definitely has a he has a he's not living in he's living in the real world when it comes to the kind of person he was back then and how much of an asshole he was and so that's why um when you say, well, was it supposed to be taken – was it supposed to be campy or was it supposed to be played real? I mean he was so fucking arrogant. I think it was supposed to be played real. I mean he was running the show and this is how I'm going to do things and this is – you know. Man, that's just – Also, like have, have incongruities, like – oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. Have you ever heard the uh, – um, this is tangentially related because it's about Bill Shatner. I'm just going to call him by the familiar Bill. Um, like he was here. <laughs> I wish he were. Um Here's my garage, Bill. <laughs> Come in here and tell us what it was like to make rock. What What did you mean, really? Now, have you heard the... Um, in 2004, he, he put out a record. Uh, Bitfolds was on it. Um, and he um, uh, he did a, a cover of Common People, the pulp song. Interesting choice. And it kills. And it's it's really great. It's all of that, that beat poet sort of stuff that, that he campily did. Is that a word, campily? That he did in, in this, yes, I just coined it, um, in this Rocket Man video. But he turns it on its head, and it it's really good. I, I would, I would. But that's, but you know what? You actually you bring together a really great point, which is that in a collaborative environment, like if the guy, like if you've got somebody, you know, I assume that Ben Folds and his crew are Ben's doing the arranging, then. Yeah, if you if you know what that guy's history is, you can work around that particular kind of camp. Well, but he's self aware about that stuff now. Oh okay. no, he plays to it. Yeah, yeah, because he has. Okay, guys. Well, I think that's a, that's a good intermission, and um, we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back to the regularly scheduled um, back ass end of the show. That was a few minutes with. Stay tuned. I miss the earth so much, I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. On such a timeless flight.
Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Burning out his fuse up here alone. So I don't know what condition everybody's in after uh, the intermission and our very special guest, uh, 70s Bill Shatner. But We're just all going to call him Bill. Bill oh, yeah. yeah. After you watch that, it's sort of like, you know... Well, he's casual. Why should we be casual? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Casual yet formal. One of one of the blow in my mind, man. <laughs> I know. Yes, <laughs> life is a dichotomy. But um, but I do want to a trichotomy, perhaps. Yeah, maybe that particular episode. But I do want to pivot uh, back to what we were originally talking about, which was the Ty Siegel record, the main event for tonight. Manipulator. Manipulator. Um, and I think one of the one of the central themes that we have talked about. A little, like, uh, a little bit tonight, off and on, it's sort of, frankly, hard to miss with him is just how much material has been put out there. One of the, one of the reviews in particular that I uh, come through that I thought was really – had an interesting take on this. It's worth sharing was the Pitchfork review, and they talked about the fact that not only historically has he worked fast and furious, but he's really sort of – delved so deeply into genres that uh, it's almost like he takes on a different persona with each one. Um, and and this record has been a little bit of a departure from that. But I wanted to share um, something from the Pitchfork Review. It's a couple of sentences long. Uh, he says, Whether it's the sad-eyed garage rock from the 2011 LP Goodbye Bread, the scorching psych punk, of Slaughterhouse from 2012 or the acoustic stone of reveries of last year's Sleeper, the, in- the increasingly narrow windows between Siegel's discrete releases seemingly inspire him to knuckle down and fully inhabit a specific aesthetic before conquering the next one, which I think is actually pretty fascinating. Like the guy seems to – he wants to fully become whatever the iteration of that record is before he moves on to the next thing. And then they go on to say, it's hard to feel overwhelmed by the vast amount of material he releases because each new album he revealed – with each new album he revealed a different facet of both his sound and personality and built up anticipation for where he might go next. So I guess maybe that's the this particular reviewer's way of saying that like if the steps aren't true, if he inhabits a new persona – then that feels like maybe he's it's lost, still, but it doesn't feel that way yet. Yeah, like so. it's still fresh. Uh, yeah, I just know that um, you know. I, I don't know how uh, folks out there know that uh, I used to uh, do a little bit of band management with uh, the last band. Oh, I think they know you somehow managed to fucking slip it in every show we do. Oh, uh, so. see, come don't on, be man. a dick. <laughs> My point was that the last band that I worked with uh, for any significant amount of time they're, was they're a garage rock slash punk band, and they talked about this dude constantly uh, in like breathless sort of tones. And no, he'd well, come to town and play, you know, sort of a medium sized venue, the Mohawk. Yeah, you know, those, those dudes were there like every time, like, and they're not the only ones I've heard you know, like speak this way. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of hush tone stuff that goes on around um, Ty Siegel. And the funny thing is, is like, I don't know, it's ironic at least, or, or peculiar, or just it is what it is. Um, I actually really got into the music of Michael Cronin before I ever uh, knew much of the Ty Siegel catalog. And I asked the guys at the at Waterloo Records if they had the new Michael Cronin record in, I don't know, a year ago, whenever the new one mm. came out. And they were like... 
Well, I don't know if we have it yet, but isn't that the guy that did a lot of stuff with Ty Siegel? And now, knowing a little bit more about his catalog, that answer is, well, yeah, if he's anybody. Like, that guy just works all the time. Yeah. So, anyway, um, what what we haven't really done much is talk about It's Over, the track that we talked – that we played before the intermission. So – Well, I want to – I just real quick, I want to comment on what you were saying that that – People that the band that you were working with at the time, and I, I know they they were and they were waiting for him to play, and they were waiting with bated breath, and they were so excited about it. And that's really interesting. They were also really young too. But. Well, and that was some, I mean, I think that that this album, and I've said this, I said this earlier in the show. I, I think that these songs are are really great. I mean, it's it's a limited palette that he's working in, but they're they're good songs. But there's nothing in there that is I cannot understand inspiring a voracious consumption of all of this output or or being so excited to see him that you'll go and I mean I'm not saying they did that but you know like the kind well, of well no like, I, I think they did and so here's here's something that maybe we should talk about that um, there is a certain level that certain artists achieve within certain musical subgenres communities. Where like they're just considered untouchable. Like, do you think it's? Be- I-, I wonder if I'm sorry to interrupt you, but so, I I wonder if part of this is because there is a there's a not a lo-fi but a low-tech a genuineness to his songs that definitely wasn't happening in indie rock or 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 indie bands at that time. It was definitely like when he started in 2008. It was it was. Uh, it was really tilted toward quasi dance bands and um, bright and shiny eighty. Well, and among the the you know sort of sub community that um, the band I was working with like sort of sprang from or like mixed within, like they were all about like cassette releases and vinyl and sure, you know, all of this shit's been out on cassette and vinyl. Yeah, sure. split singles, the whole deal. Well, yeah. I know, I, and I think that 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 sort of fits. Yeah, there's an aesthetic to it, and you know, and like like where it's really good, but you're also not trying too hard. Um, yeah, no, 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 I don't think it's not, not trying too hard. I'm saying it, it, it's coming from a different place where where it seems more genuine, where it seems more authentic. I, I mean, definitely the, think there's an authenticity the, like angle to it, which is why you know you get the bated breath and right, know, right, reverence. Yeah, well, this is somebody yeah. that's my age and that's putting out music right now, or 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 or, or dance like. Music that's derivative of dance music and, like I said before, like shiny '80s knockoff stuff is 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 the hallmark of what's popular in the indie rock right now. Uh, I hesitate to say indie rock, but just for lack of a better non-major mainstream. Let, let me ask a, Let me ask another question. Like I, I get the impression that, and maybe this isn't a hundred percent accurate analogy, but I do think that there's some kernels of truth here. Like, do you guys think? That Ty Siegel is a musician's musician. Like, David Tell is a comedian's comedian, which is to say that, like, other comedians will stand in the back of the room and watch that guy just shred a room, like, uh, because he's caustic and he'll go places that other comics are afraid to go. I get the impression among the guys, like, who, who are, who would, who are the bated breath guys who would wait to, to go, like, dive into a Ty Siegel show, that part of that 
is that the that the experience of going to see one of those shows, and I will I will cop to the fact that he was just here. He was here like the day after I bought this record, and I could not go. And I like it. It would have sort of made for the perfect marriage of like getting to know that material. Yeah, I want to see but, it now. Yeah, like, but uh, but I do feel like there's a lot of dive bombing. That happens like the, his songs are sort of set up in a, in a way that the, there's a lot of crashing on the like uh, on the guitar side. Well, but the but the anyway. songs themselves are super super solid. I think they're, the, they're I well constructed. I think the missing link in, in in our discussion of this record is the fact that none of the three of us have, have seen him live, and that seems to be an integral part of the Ty Siegel experience. So, and it, I mean, there God knows there are a lot of people that haven't translated to me or haven't translated to a lot of people until you until you see the live aspect of their show. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's true. So yeah. if you say about being a comedian's comedian or a musician's musician, I well, mean, the guy's a solid writer. I just admit the only reason I even knew who this guy was is that everybody who's ever brought him up to me talked about him like he was the second coming. Um, it's not that good. Well, no, nothing is, but... You know, uh, you know how. Oh, you I didn't even I, mean it. I don't even believe in the second coming. So well, I, 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 well, I, yeah, I'm just using it as a metaphor. But you know how you and I talked about certain acts when we were 21. Um, sure, that were derivative, and but had great songs. And sure, I get, I get all of that. I and I think, um, I think my main, um, and I. Have to keep. It sounds like I'm being a Debbie Downer about this record, and I, I think it's really great. But I, I'll stand by what I said before: is that song by song by song, I stand stand by. I'd really rather have these songs mixed into a playlist and hear them, as I would hear them one by one, and be like, "God, it's amazing." But if you hear like three or four in a row, you're like, "That's amazing," and it's ever diminishing returns. There's not on this record. There is not, for the most part. Very much, there's not really an original note on any fucking song on this record, except one, maybe two songs. And um, Mr. Mame is the one that I think, when I listen, I was actually surprised at that point. It was starting, things were starting to really blend together a little bit. And I was writing some notes about that. And then that song came on basically halfway through the record, Mr. Mame. And uh, doesn't sound, it's, for, I mean, you can you can sort of pick out the the influences, but um, so why don't we do that? Like, why don't we dive into let's uh, let's let's throw it in there as a change of pace. Let's do um, let everybody listen to Mr. Mame, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Okay, all right, here it is, Mr. Mame. Mr. Mame, and I think it's fair to say that that feels like a departure and like a sort of an intentional departure. 
one of the one of the reviews that I read of this record was from the UK publication The Guardian, and they actually specifically referenced the sequencing. And I know that we've talked a little bit about that maybe being a potential blurring point for some of us. But with that song, it almost kind of feels like you could put that song anywhere in this record, and it would feel like a kind of an elegant change of pace. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll buy that. I wish. I mean, it's so it's it's sort of frustrating to talk about because the songs are so good, um, albeit um, start to blend together after a little while. And I don't if, even if you put like I mean, maybe it is a sequencing thing. Um, I just I just feel like um, like I was saying before, if, if you wrote a large input of songs in a small amount of time, it's hard to get perspective on it. It's got to be. Well, I think one thing that was kind of interesting about this little nugget that I read in The Guardian was that they said that uh, Ty Siegel said that he had the aim, like he took 14 months to produce the record. Like, so he wrote the songs and they put them together and then he took a full year and two months to to commit it. And part of it was he had the, he said that he had the aim of producing what he called a Tony Visconti kind of record. And who Tony Visconti was, Chan, do you know? I know a little bit about Okay, him. yeah. So, yeah, he produced David Bowie's great 70s records as well as T-Rex, Iggy Pop, and others. Like, And they in this in this article, they say that basically that's a good reference point. And then he produced a Morrissey record in the 90s because Morrissey loved those records so much, which seems like a very weird split. Not necessarily. Well, it, it didn't sound like a T-Rex nor Morrissey or David Bowie record. One of the things that they mentioned is that the like like there are hallmarks like the twin guitar lines that are reminiscent of some of the the acts that that guy worked with, and that specifically um, they uh, name check Thin Lizzy, which I was like, okay, well I didn't necessarily think of Thin Lizzy when I heard this, but I was like, okay, I could see with a little bit of that, like technically speaking, tracking those exactly that way, even though it's not the same sort of sound, like. Sure, yeah, it's the same instrument sort of used in a similar way, even if that instrument sounds totally different. Um, anyway, basically this article goes on to say that Manipulator sounds like a 70s record in that every element is always audible. There's no mastering everything louder than everything else. Every instrument has its place, and every instrument does its job. There's nothing sloppy about Manipulator. It's precise. And I don't know, like... Maybe it is precise, but it, some of it sounds like it well, may I be precise but similar. In comparison to his previous work, because I, I guess, you know, just sort of, and like I said, I haven't listened to any of the other stuff, but like it kind of, I kind of maybe expected this to be a little bit more, you know, rough around the edges than it actually is, but apparently this is his first foray into, you know, something more polished. There have been uh, claims that this is him sort of slowing down and like actually trying to do something big and cohesive. Yeah. Oh, it's cohesive. I wonder if, um, with what they're saying about um, how you can hear, like, there's not, there's no master. I mean, they don't know what they're talking about, but and there's definitely mastering on the record. But where things, think everything has its place and, and sounds that way. I wonder if that sort of contributes to the sameness of this record for me, like how how there's dynamically. I mean, number one, that there's a, there's a very similar tempo to almost all the songs. Um, and number and, and again, I'm not downing the record because it sounds great. I just a little bit downing the record. 
No, no, I'm not. I'm just. I'm. I, I, the more that I think about it, as we're talking about it, the more that I, I, I realize it's hard for me to. And I've had a couple of listens to it. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it runs together for me. And I wonder if. That, and that's the only reason I'm bringing it back up is because that said that is because all the instruments are placed in. I was going to say going at full war, but that doesn't even make any sense. Like you. you well, I and I don't know. I mean, I, I think that that's a. I think it's a. Again, I think it's a fair point to make. I do think that uh, that it's at least possible. Well, I mean, you've stated that you're uh, that you're a, you are lyrically like lyrics are important to you. But I don't even notice so, the lyrics on this. They have nothing to do with I, lyrics. Like, well, I, I so think I the wonder, songs are really that, good, but that they get really them? no, no, because okay. the songs are good. In and of themselves, I just think that it gets a little samey after a while. Yeah, I, and again, I think that there, there's some of that that's that's probably fair. Ryan, um, what were your what were some of your takeaways? Did anything surprise you about? Yeah, I thought it was a solid record. Like I sort of lamented the fact that I, you know, as is my want, uh, waited till uh, today to actually listen to the thing. And and granted, I did try to stream it yesterday, but you have to. Oh. You have to pay for it. Well, and, well, and, and let's, I did find a way to stream it. Thank you, Groove Shark. Yeah, and so I do think that there. Yeah, again, it's worth saying out loud that um, one of the challenges with uh, with reviewing a record that's currently out is that, and I understand that these are the realities of the digital age, is that that labels are are very careful with the way they partition this stuff, and so I actually. Had well, yeah, bought the they, record. Yeah, they push it out the already, week of. Uh, yeah. I mean, but we and, should and be paying for the streaming. Sure, uh, of course. And, yeah. uh, and then took that streaming down, which is totally sound business strategy. And here's the thing: I like it so much that I'm gonna buy it now. Yeah, like I, I like it a lot more than. I don't think it's samey. I mean, I can see how you'd say that. You should throw in some hand claps right there. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps we will. I want thunderous applause on that one. Uh, see, now you're gonna. Now I have to. Anyway, now fun for editing later. But, um, but yeah, no, I think the. You know, I think that that ultimately, I think we're. All, it sounds like we're all on the same page. That like, it's a really solid effort, and it's a really solid effort that's 17 songs long. Like, obviously, even if the guys could have used for a little their, editing, could have been two releases. Sure, uh, and even if the guys, well, and like. Not but, like but I don't, never I don't really before. have anything shitty to say about any of the material. Like, well, and I don't think I don't. Again, like this is just my own sort of uh, review gestalt, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. Like I think there are plenty of interesting things to say about the way that we have come upon this record and found some things that were interesting and nuanced about it. By the same token, um, I think Shane's uh, claims about some of the sameness from some of the tracks because. Even if you buy into the idea that Ty Siegel fully inhabits a persona for each one of his records, um, whatever this one is, like, yeah, there's some stuff that sounds like it's sort of cut from the same cloth, but they're all great songs, and, like, I I really enjoy the experience. Ditto. Yeah, that's good. Why don't we listen, why don't we listen to one, one more of these little guys and come back and talk about it next week? All right, so I think it's fair that we, uh, we close with The Singer. Because uh, that's sort of what we're just talking home, about. I think home that's booting. my favorite song on this album, too. And Home okay. is a singer. Oh. All right. Ryan. Here we go. It's Clever. a singer. I can hear the sound. 
was it? That was uh. Oh, are we back, Kevin? Oh, we're back. Kevin, Kevin is not back. counting us off today, by the yeah. way. Why is that happening? <laughs> like normally, Kevin. Kevin, is, Kevin has been uber producer. It, it, yeah. <laughs> while we're here, and he'll typically give the whole, you know, three, two, and, and it, then and point he points at you. At you. Yeah. And <laughs> he's just like open week guest. <laughs> he just starts talking at some point. Right? Like, and also, I should point out that. Um, Whoever is going to speak first, we say, okay, you want to come out of this? And so Kevin takes just every time to go. So I was like, yeah, I'll come out of this. And I was like, oh, Ryan's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> coming out. Sorry. Apparently just never gets mostly, old. <laughs> mostly I'm just exhausted. Anyway, it's, that's, that's since like, May. That's never never getting old. All right. Yes. Anyway. But yeah, so. Uh, so that, I, I, I noticed that. that. It's, uh, that was uh, The Singer. The Singer. Is, Pretty great song, if a little Elephant Sixty. Definitely Elephant Six there, but I mean Elephant Six were definite Beach Boys. I mean you can you can see that line. I mean that's one of those songs that isn't as samey as the other ones. That's probably my favorite song on the record. Not because of that. It's just it's got interesting textures to it. I love the strings in there. I love the the falsetto. It's beautiful. Can write a pop song. Yeah, he's a great songwriter. He needs to slow the fuck down a little bit maybe, but. Maybe he's on meth. He's just like a really he, good songwriter. I, I, I don't. I don't. I, he's he, got. He's got those baby cheeks. He's got the. I don't think he's doing. Yeah, there's a, not one enough for you. Yeah. There's a. There's. He still has all his teeth. That part's looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're nearing the end of of this go around. We've got some stuff that's coming up uh, that I think is pretty fun. Who's next? Uh, next week is me. Uh, not that I wrote an album. Um, oh my that god, one. I would love it if you wrote it out. <laughs> I'm going to write like, a, a record with Bill Shatner. Um, no, I think Bill Shatner. I thought and you were going to say Bill Davis, but we, we have yet to have discussed Bill Davis. Oh, well, Bill in Davis will be one, one of these the weeks. He'll, he'll, he'll come on as a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good old Bill Davis. Hi, Bill. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, no, I chose uh, Vampire Weekend for next week. Um, their, their first record, their Economist record, Vampire Weekend. Um, which I, while well, I knew three or four songs of it, had never listened to in its entirety, and I've already gotten a jump on it. And I won't reveal my feelings on it, but all right, they, they will be. Discussed. And there, there will also be uh, another uh, few minutes with segment. And you're picking that. You're one, picking so? that one. I'm picking that one. Um, we just sort of decided the way that we're going to pattern these out. So I, I'll cop to the fact that I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to pick yet. But, but. Rest assured, it will probably pale in comparison to Bill Shatner. I don't think you ever everything pales. Like, you don't ever you don't ever climb that. You don't ever find yourself at the at the that's precipice not, of that like peak. Staring that's, straight at the sun. That's yeah. the it's a it's a Jacob's ladder. It's never gonna happen. Like that's yes, that's that's good stuff. But Shane, what do you what do you got cooking for your next? Okay, so there? so yeah, so next week is is Vampire Weekend, and I am I was gonna do something different, and we'll talk about this. Uh, in a couple weeks, but I really feel like women have been underrepresented in the podcast. The only ours. <laughs> well, what's that? Our podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> like, yes, in our podcast. Yeah. We, 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 it's been. It's been. Uh, That's true. I'm very underrepresented, and and, and and I listen to a lot of music um, fronted by women or with women in, in in whatever group. So anyway, I was thinking since we're we're sticking with more recent stuff in the last few weeks. Um, I want to listen to the most recent Phanogram album, Voices. Sure. Um, all I know are the singles. I know their first record pretty well. Ryan has never 
I don't know anything about them. Uh, I have just seen uh, a couple of photos of their front lady. Yes, and and she's she's she, she looks all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that's where you're going with this. Passing muster. <laughs> the pretty lady make me want to listen to the music. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> I'm sure that's all I'll take away from it. Oh, it's just, we're just like, we just need to get out of here. Oh shit! Um, so by oh. the time that this goes live, uh, Kevin has an event. Yeah. So when uh, Shane's going to be a part oh, of two. two. Yeah. So uh, twenty by two is happening as part of Austin Startup Week. So if you happen to find yourself in Austin on Tuesday, October seventh, um, seven p.m. down at Elysium, it's free to get in. Where is Elysium? Uh, Elysium is at 7th and Red River. What is 20 by 2? And and 20 by 2 is a show that I created 14 years ago that's been running during South by Southwest, and we've done other shows in Chicago and London, but basically it works like this. Um, I recruit 20 different sort of uh, creatives or luminaries. We give them sort of the same fuzzy question to wrap their head around weeks in advance, and then we see what they cook up as two-minute answers before a live audience. And Shane actually was part of the very first 20 by 2 that we did in 2001. He sang a cat food jingle, didn't he? Oh, uh, God damn it. Like, seriously, <clears throat> he did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're going to do this show on Tuesday night, October 7th, 7 p.m. Uh, come on out if you're in Austin. It'll be a lot of fun and, uh, and not dull and probably different than anything that you've seen for a while. So we're going to do that. Wanted to get that plug in. And in the meantime, uh, this is Somebody Likes It. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Cheers.